This is the best, 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 best practices in education and Odyssey School podcast. Let's fly away in a cloud. This podcast aims to offer professional resources, practical tools, and inspiring conversations to teachers and parents in their quest for excellent education. And the trees are rainbow, and you'll see unicorn every now and then because that's not weird at all. Welcome to Best Practices, an Odyssey School podcast. My name is Corey Adams, and I'll be your host. Today, we're joined by Odyssey High School science teacher Andrew Rabin. Andrew has lived in Asheville since 2014, and he has been a high school science teacher since 2001. In previous careers, he was a wildlife biologist studying owls in the desert southwest, an assistant director of an environmental education camp for New York City public school kids, and the head chef of a French restaurant in Tucson. Andrew is a lifelong learner and is passionate about science as a means of understanding the world around us. Andrew, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Corey. So let's kick off. Let us know what is your best practice about today? So my best practice is about uh, introducing kids to bird watching and birding and using birds as a way of understanding our environment. So what do you love about birds, Andrew? Um, let's see. I don't know. They're, they're cute. Uh, they're, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's, it is a little bit like, um, collecting things, you know, there's so many of them. They're so, they're very challenging. Mm. Um, challenging in what way? Well, they're, they, they don't just, you know, stand there and wait for you to identify them. Um, (laughs) you know, they'll just give you a quick glimpse and then they'll duck into the brush and Mm. make you really work for it. I, uh, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't always like when I grew up, you know, when I was young, I was into the nature and the outdoors and my family would go camping, but I don't remember ever actually being really interested in birds Mm -hmm. until like college. And I think I attribute it really to the amazing professors that I had, like they they were just such a dynamic personality. Um, I took an ornithology class uh, with a professor named Bill Buzzkirk. Um, and he just, you know, it, it was infectious. Like I, I just fell in love. I was like, oh, this is the coolest thing. Um, and this was in Richmond, Indiana. So I was learning all the Midwest birds uh, throughout my college career and traveling around looking at birds. And I had the opportunity to TA the ornithology class as a senior. Um, and I also had the opportunity as a senior to um, travel to the Galapagos Islands and um, among other things, look at birds there and birds there are just incredible. They're just amazing. There's just bizarre, bizarre birds from flightless cormorants to masked boobies and red-footed boobies and blue-footed boobies talking about, you know, birds with funny names. Um, (laughs) Very cool. And then I see we just mentioned that you traveled to the desert southwest studying owls. Yeah, so uh, I mean, there was actually a couple couple stops in between before uh, after after college. Um, I my first job was studying uh, neotropical migrant land birds um, in uh, in Louisiana. Um, oh, wow. You know, and this was I don't know it involved like getting up at four in the morning and getting stung by 
caterpillars and and all sorts of things and being very uncomfortable but like looking for nests and 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 banding birds and um you know it's just an incredible diversity of birds down there um in that part of the country um and then from there i went to the southwest and was in arizona for a bit and then in utah studying mexican spotted owls which i did for uh a few years a few summers at least um yeah so so you are talking about and talking to teachers about why bird watching is important and you're speaking from a deep deep well of love for bird watching yourself and experience yeah. it sounds like yeah i mean i feel you know i feel pretty confident walking around like i can i it's not very often where i encounter a bird that i'm like i don't know what that is or i've never seen that before um uh, at least around here. Um, if I went somewhere new, I would definitely have that experience, um, which yeah. is also another thing I like about, you know, if, if you like to travel, um, every place represents like a whole new, uh, you know, uh, community of birds that you've never seen before and are behaving in weird ways and they look different <laughs> and they're making strange calls you've never heard before. So, so let's just kind of translate that down. So why do you feel it's valuable to incorporate bird watching in the classroom? Sure. Um, it, has a, it has a lot of different benefits, I think, for, for kids. Um, first of all, kids are naturally inquisitive. The, the younger kids more so than high school kids, I think. But um, high school kids still, you know, they want to they wanna find out about the world. Um, and so it's it's great for in that respect. Um, the activity itself is just is a very integral activity. We talk at Odyssey a lot about the the, the integral model and, and these um, you know teaching to the the different uh, strands, um, you know the aesthetic strand and the physical strand and the mental strand, uh, social strand and the emotional and the spiritual strand and all these things. And I really feel like birding. Uh, hits all of these you know aesthetically mm-hmm. birds are beautiful uh, you're in nature nature is beautiful mm-hmm. um, you're just in this you know beautiful setting most of the time you, it doesn't have to be I mean you can bird in the city uh, and cities can be beautiful also it's a different kind of beauty I guess um, uh, physically you have to go out you mm-hmm. have to you know you get some exercise you get to walk around um, uh, to, to, to go see the birds um, you know, and then I think for the um, uh, like the spiritual and the emotional strand, it really is a, a very centering activity. Um, you know, you have to be quiet. Uh, if you're making a lot of noise out 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 there, birds are you're not going to hear them. You're not going <laughs> to see them. They're going to go somewhere else. They're just going to be like, okay, I'm not going to be around here. Um, so, you know, you're sort of forced to be in this, be out in nature and be quiet. And and, and also in the present moment. Right. You have it's to be, very it, much in the present moment. Like you, if you're thinking about something else, you know, yeah. you, you just, that sort of leaves your mind, you know, because you really need to like attune to all your senses and you're like, okay, I'm listening for like things I can hear and I'm looking sure. for little things moving because they're not easy to see and they're you know they they especially this time of year when the leaves are all out uh you know seeing birds is um uh is, is tricky uh but at least you can hear them so hearing mm-hmm. them is a much easier way uh the other benefit um which I think is is you know is really important and 
um, is you know by going out into the area around the school and just areas you know where the kids live, um, kids develop a much stronger sense of place and a much stronger ownership um, and connection to where they live, um, which you know then has cascading benefits hopefully throughout their life that you know they're going to advocate for these places and they're going to um, you know you, you're going to more likely to care about these things that you understand and that you have an experience with. Yeah, I I almost hesitate because I think it cannot maybe be sound as deep as it is, but it is a way to cultivate just an intrinsic environmentalism, an intrinsic sense of the world around you and your own connection with it in a really beautiful way. I am wondering, kind of before we skip to other questions, if you could talk a little bit about simple ways to incorporate birding into the classroom. So and let's just say, because I think it's valuable in this context, like, what does it look like for an elementary classroom? What does it look like in your high school classroom? And just maybe a few steps that folks sure. could take. Um, well, let me, let me start with, like, some of what what I perceive as the obstacles, you know, and, yeah. and sort of how to overcome those. Um, you know, one obstacle that I hear from other teachers is that, well, I don't have your experience. I don't know the birds. I don't, I can't go out and identify them all by sight and sound. Um, and I, I think the big takeaway is that's okay. Like you don't <laughs> act like you don't actually have to name the bird. Like, you, okay, you, but let's just stop and recognize <laughs> teachers love to be experts. This is true. So they have to take a step back and be like, it's okay. I'm not the expert. But you can be like, Hmm. I don't know. Let's look in the book. You're like, <laughs> let's learn this together, right? Um, you know, and it still appears like you're an expert. Um, <laughs> you know, you can learn right alongside with the kids, um, and just the act of observing and you know recording your observations, uh, you know, drawing sketches, uh, describing behavior. Mm-hmm. You don't need to know the name of the bird to do any of that stuff. Um, so I think that that's an important thing to understand first is that you don't have to be an expert, mm-hmm. right? Um, there are tools then that you can use to help you. One, one is a field guide, um, you know, having a good field guide that is simple um, to start off with. So there's ones, you know, that just contain sort of the most common birds in your area, um, like the Stokes Guide, or I think Audubon makes some also. Mm-hmm. Um, those are good things to have. There's, you know, there's apps on your phone you can get now that um, will will have bird guides on them. Me, I prefer a more comprehensive field guide. I carry around the uh, the Sibley Guide uh, to Eastern Birds, which has like 830 different species in wow. it. Um, <laughs> and then you just flip you see right, and I just flip through it and I go, okay, there it is. Yeah, um, <laughs> but you don't, you know, so that's that's sort of leveling up, you know, you, you know, if, as you, as you get more comfortable, you can use the more advanced field guides. So field guides are one tool. Another field, uh, another tool is binoculars, mm-hmm. um, but not necessary. Also, this, this is another obstacle I hear like, oh, we don't have binoculars. Oh, we don't have a budget for binoculars. You don't necessarily need binoculars. Um, birds are hard to see anyway, even with binoculars. Um, which is why learning, uh, some bird calls is really helpful. So a lot of birds, you can just learn to identify them uh, by their by the sound they make. And I, I want to just take a moment and hear some bird calls. Oh. Can you, can you <laughs> show mean, us a couple? Can I show you some bird calls? Let's see. Uh, so let's see. One, one that's common around here, I think it might even be our state bird. I don't even know. Um, the cardinal, northern cardinal. 
um, has this kind of metallic, I, I can't reproduce the tone. I can only sort of reproduce, uh, you know, sort of the rhythmic, the, the melody. They, they, they either go up or they go down. They go like, um, something like that. Awesome. They do a few other ones. Uh, I don't know what else. And I can do an Eastern screech owl, yeah. uh, which, yeah. which are really cute. If you, I don't know, uh, I've seen them in my backyard here uh, in Asheville, uh, and and they, it's it's very you know it's very noticeable. If you you know some people have probably heard this and not known what it was, but they go kind of like this. They go, wow. So I once so you get kids outside, you find some birds, you identify them hopefully or not (laughs) yeah but if you do i'm imagining there are online compendiums there are places that you can access to be like these are the calls yes this this is what this sounds like uh great website resource uh the cornell lab of ornithology Mm -hmm. uh runs this a, a massive website with you know with audio files of of every bird in north america pretty much so if you can you can hear the call um they also have lots of just you know information about the the each of the birds um pictures um yeah so that's a great resource and what about i think we talked a little bit about or or maybe it was just your words were helping me really see in the elementary classroom okay we can just get out there we can all do it together we don't have to have these different pieces but what about in the high school classroom so for you when you're taking a group of students out what does that look like and what has been your experience in terms of student feedback um so i've been, yeah i mean i've been doing this with high school kids as long as i've been teaching high school when i first started teaching high school uh you know back in 2001 i i was taking kids out birding um i did this in boston uh when i worked there with with uh, Boston public school kids. Usually I, this is in the context of like an environmental science kind of class or deep ecology or biology. Mm -hmm. Um, and it will be part of like a study where we are trying to collect data, um, Mm. on, on bird biodiversity. Um, so there's, you know, in the high school, we can add that kind of, that layer, uh, where you know they are not just bird watching, but they are they are being scientists. We are collecting data. We're 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 measuring the biodiversity of the ecosystem, um, and then in turn uh, getting some measure of ecosystem health. You know, uh. the more biodiverse, uh, the healthier the ecosystem is. So what it looks like, we have our you know we have our data sheets and we have our <laughs> binoculars and we go out, um, and we, you know we try and be as quiet as we can and we record everything we see and hear. Um, and then we compile all that data and look at it later. But um, there's also some uh, uh, some good uh, websites and apps where you can uh, upload that data, so other mm-hmm. so then you can share it with the greater community. Things like iNaturalist, and there's also one uh, eBird, I think it's called. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. To close out the show today, are there any final words you would share with folks who want to get out there and bird? Um, Just don't be afraid. Uh, You know, you don't have to be an expert. Um, It's, you know, it has its rewards on on many levels. So just get out there and do it. Get out there and do it. And one more bird call. 
Got one, one more bird call. Um, oh, so here's so I, you know, I worked with barred owls um, for many years. Or not barred owls with uh, Mexican spotted owls, which which are related. They're sort of cousins of the barred owl. Um, and the barred owl sounds like this: it goes. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for joining us in the studio today. You're welcome. This has been Best Practices in Education, an Odyssey School podcast. It was recorded here in our music studio in Asheville, North Carolina at Odyssey School, engineered by our music director, River Gargarian, and the original theme music was created by the Misfits of Cragberry, an Odyssey student band. Let's fly away in a cloud.